0: and welcome to the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm Shahana Knight, the founder of TPC Therapy and the creator of the Therapeutic Schools Award and the Therapeutic Teaching Course. And every week I'll be talking about all things related to well-being and mental health in schools. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspirational goodness to go out there and make a real difference in the lives of the children that you're working with. Each week will be full of innovative ideas, inspirational stories, practical guidance and even some freebies so that we can actually redefine what school should be for the children of today. You have so much power to make some real changes, so let me show you how. I'm so glad you found me here. Let's jump right in. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Therapeutic Teacher Podcast. Today, we're gonna look at something called triggers. So triggers is something that I talk about quite a lot and I never get to go into detail. So I'm really excited about this podcast episode because I'm not squeezing it into a two hour inset day. Instead, I just get to talk about triggers. And I think Triggers is really, really interesting and also really relevant for us as teachers. So have a think about the kids in your school. If you listened to our podcast episode last week, then you'll know that we talked about the brain and we talked about the developing brain, like the neuroscience behind Fight, Flight, Freeze. This links to that a little bit. So if you didn't hear that, Then, really quick overview, we talked about how part of our our makeup, part of our brain, has um, a reptilian brain, and in the reptilian brain we have fight, flight, freeze. So fight mode is where we fight back when we feel threatened, flight mode is where we want to get away, run away, and freeze mode is where we just don't know what to do. And when that happens, we feel a threat of some sort. Now that threat might be that we've had an argument with our friends, it might be that we can't do something, it might be that we're overwhelmed, it might be that we're struggling with something, it might be that someone's arguing or shouting, whatever it might be. It might actually be a physical threat, so maybe the child's at home and um, a parent's being really aggressive and abusive. Whenever there's a scenario where we feel threatened or challenged or scared, Our reptilian brain comes on and we go into fight flight freeze. Now you'll go into fight flight freeze and so do all of the children. All of us do. Now if you want to know more about that, please go and listen to last week's episode. This week we're gonna unpick that slightly more and look at something called triggers. So if you think about your kids in school, you know, like when you hear a teacher say, Well, there was no trigger for it. Have you ever heard that? Or even maybe said it yourself? you're in school, you've got a particular child who's really struggling and they've kicked off which is generally the language that we use and the teacher goes well there was no trigger for it I don't know it just came out of nowhere. This is about that. So the first thing is it never comes out of nowhere ever. The child is always triggered. So what is a trigger? A trigger is something that reminds you of a time that was really really difficult where you were in fight flight or freeze or when you were in a situation where you were being threatened the trigger is a reminder of that so for example um have you ever had a, a like a loss in your life and maybe there's something that just reminds you of that loss so like for me um my you'll have learned a little bit about my camp history at the beginning of um the podcast episodes in episode one i'm going to pull out a little bit more today just to help to make you understand what triggers are so my dad died um when i was three or four days before i did my university exams and the situation around his death was not great you know basically he basically stopped eating and killed himself not not like actual suicide but he stopped eating he drank every single day he just gave up and ultimately meant that he died um, really difficult time really 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 difficult time however for any of you that have experienced the death of somebody really close it, it it's really weird how it comes up for you in random times in your life so for me I hear certain songs sometimes I hear those songs it's not an issue sometimes I hear those songs and I am literally in floods of tears and I can't tell you why but that song is a trigger for me. So I know that if I'm driving along and a song comes on the radio, sometimes I'll go, oh, it reminds me of my dad, and I'll I'll have a lovely sing-along. Sometimes I'll start singing it and the next minute I'm crying and it's just got something inside of me and it's the song that was a trigger. And what's happened is that song has portaled me back to a memory, an event, a time in my life where it was painful. It was hard. And so because of that, because of that pain, because of that difficulty, my body responds just as it would have done if I was in that scenario. And that's what triggers do. So the reason for a trigger is actually to help us. So if you think about um, a child who is experiencing domestic violence, I use this one a lot, but let's say that the child's experiencing domestic violence, um, parent comes home very, very drunk, and is very very volatile and the child learns that when that, their parent is like that, the best thing they can do is to run away. So they run away, hide under their bed, maybe they're shaking, maybe their heart's beating really quickly, maybe they're sweaty and they start crying but they cry silently because if they make a noise that's going to make their parent come up the stairs and it's going to make it worse. Okay. Imagine now that that scenario happens regularly okay and this child learns that the best thing they can do is get under that bed the best thing they can do is to cry, is to cry but silently now imagine that child in school okay and they're in school and suddenly things are very noisy very loud very overwhelming and something about that scenario triggers that child to remember what it feels like when they're at home and they're overwhelmed and they feel like that when they're around their dad what happens is that child's body goes, oh, I remember the last time I felt this way. And I know that we're in threat right now. I know that we need to survive, don't we? Because we've done this. We've done this so many times we need to survive. So I'm going to get us there quicker. So instead of... The rational brain going yeah but you're in a different scenario this isn't the same place and you're not you are safe here and the brain doesn't do that the brain wants to help you survive that's what it's designed to do so it goes forget all of that let's get you out of the scenario the best thing you can do right now is to run you need to hide because that's what we always do so the, the child gets up and runs under the table and refuses to come out or hides in the cubicle in the toilets and they're crying but they're crying silently and in school you're thinking there was no trigger what's going on? There was absolutely no trigger there. All we did was say right free play and now he's under the table screaming and crying. This is ridiculous. It's really draining. It's really tiring. What is going on? It's every day. And actually what's happened is that child's brain, that child's body was triggered. And there was a trigger you just don't see it you don't know it now triggers can come in all shapes and sizes but the same thing is true every single time your brain remembers the time that you felt like that before or that you experienced that thing before and it portals you back that moment and then what it does is quickly to help you survive it does the same response that you would have done in that trauma be that running away hiding crying fighting whatever it is so your brain skips steps to help you survive quicker does that make sense i really hope this is making sense So, for example, a child at home who has to protect mum every single day from um, a drunken father who physically stands in front of their dad and goes, don't hit mummy, don't hit mummy, and that they're fighting back is more likely, when they feel threatened and attacked and scared and challenged in the playground or in a football match, is more likely to fight because their brain goes, we've done this, we've been here, let's get on with it, come on, I'm triggering you because you need to survive. And you see a child who suddenly goes from naught to zero and is in a physical fight, but the brain is saying, this is the same scenario. Now, what makes a trigger is really interesting. So triggers come in all shapes and sizes. It's actually pretty amazing. I I find it really interesting. I'd love to do a study on it one day. Um, But they come in all shapes and sizes. So a trigger might be a noise. Okay, so it might be, I don't know, let's say for example you were in a house fire and there was a beep, an alarm was beeping the whole way through. Anytime you hear a beep, it might make you go, oh, there's a beep, there's a beep, just for a split second even, but that beep is your trigger. It might be that it's a word, so for certain children, maybe somebody has, let's think about a child who's maybe been groomed, somebody uses the word sweetheart a lot come on sweetheart, come on sweetheart, suddenly that word's a trigger word, so then in the future the husband might call them sweetheart and they might get really angry and annoyed and storm out or push their husband away and that's because the word is a trigger, it reminds their body of that time when they were called it before when they weren't safe, so it could be a word, it could be a person, so for example like a trait on a person, so if you think about your children at school, have you ever had a child who just doesn't connect with men, And that might be because men in themselves is a trigger, which is really unfortunate but can happen. Maybe they just don't trust men, they don't feel safe around men, because any time they see a man that's in power or in control or telling them what to do, that is extremely scary because of whatever they've maybe been through before. It might be a beard or a moustache on a man. It might be long hair on a woman or the smell of a woman's perfume that triggers them. Um, And these things are random totally random we can't begin to know what they are so triggers is not something that you I can teach you and say here's all the triggers for your children go away and look out for them because it doesn't really work like that it's very very unique to each person and even the person themselves might not know a trigger is going to come up and then suddenly it does so an amazing example of triggers that I always give in my training is um, a little girl that I hear heard about when I was working and this little girl was in one of the schools I was working in and was having play therapy which I'll talk about in another podcast the power of play therapy um so she was having play therapy to help her explore her feelings and her experiences and one day we're in a multi-agency meeting we're all sat around the table with all the professionals and the social worker was there and the carers she was in care and the carers were talking about how every night she does the same thing every night she um, runs away, she gets really upset, she struggles with bedtime, and it's the same thing, and the, so the social worker was sort of saying, well, okay, you know, well, what's, the, what's the scenario, what do you do at bedtime? So they're saying, you know, we, we, we do the normal scenario, I can't remember exactly now, but, um, we do teeth, we do toilet, we do stories, we do bedtime, da, da da you know, before we go upstairs, we watch In the Night Garden, and then we do our teeth, and then we do, and so she was sort of talking through the, the story, and the social worker went, well, that's the problem, and they're like, what? in the night garden she said well the night that this child was taken the police broke in took the child and put the child in care in the night garden was on the tv and so for this child every night you put in the night garden on the tv it's a trigger it reminds the child of that horrendous night and so it reminds the child exactly in that moment as well bedtime before bed of this awful experience that happened so of course bedtime is horrible because the child being portal backs that memory every single night so Nobody could have known that. You know, nobody could have known that that would become a trigger, but it is. So we need to be really careful and look out for these. I want to give you a few different examples of triggers just so that you can really kind of get to grips with what a trigger is and how it presents itself. And it might be worth you start to think about some of the children in your class and maybe look for some patterns. So another version of a trigger was for me. So I've got a few different ones and I'll share them with you now. Um, just to help to give you that understanding so the first one I'll share is when I was a new mum and I do share this in my training as well um, so when I was a new mum so I remember um, having my first little girl so I was I've always wanted kids like from when I was eight years old I was like have a baby like I'm gonna be an amazing mum and little did I know how hard it would be but I do absolutely adore being a mum However, I didn't realize it was gonna bring up so much stuff. So when you've been through trauma yourself, it does follow you around. Now, it doesn't have to define you. And that is a huge, huge message that I want to teach children out there that your trauma does not have to define you. It doesn't have to make you who you are and it doesn't have to haunt you the whole of your life and and, um, infiltrate every decision, every behavior, every friendship, every belief about the world. However, it does follow you around. And part of your self-development and your journey is to know when it is and to identify when it is and to work through it constantly, all the time, because it crops up and it crops up and it crops up and it crops up. And if you've ever had your own trauma, you'll know that that's true. Now, I remember having my little girl and obviously like all other newborns she didn't sleep great so she woke up every two hours and and would feed and then wake up again and wake up again and wake up again and I remember that not sleeping was a huge trigger for me and I remember this feeling of like getting up feeding going to sleep getting up feeding going to sleep just falling asleep she's crying again you know just just drifting off she's crying again and I found that really hard it was very overwhelming and it was definitely a trigger for me. And I identified that it was a trigger for me. I knew it was a trigger for me, but I didn't quite know why, what, where, and when. I just knew that it was something that I struggled with. And I knew that my responses were probably more intense than your average parent. And I remember one night, it happened a few times and my husband at the time would work away so he would he wanted to be around the children when they were younger so he would do um, live technician work and he would work in the evenings and go out and do live gigs and stuff in the night times but in the day he would be there so we would alternate in the days I would work on the business and he would have the kids etc etc so we would we were always work with, with the kids put the kids first but that meant that he wasn't there in the night times he wasn't there a lot of evenings which were the hardest times for me. And I remember this one particular night, she just kept crying, kept crying, kept crying, kept crying. And I only had her, I hadn't had my other child yet. Um, But it was extremely intense. And I remember ringing my mum going, I'm literally going to jump out of this window if this carries on, I cannot cope. And I knew when I was saying it that that intensity was much more than just her, it must have been. I remember feeling sick i remember wanting to literally jump out the window i remember wanting to pull my hair out i was so angry and hadn't really experienced the feeling of anger before that point i was very good as a young person at acknowledging my feelings and it was very 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 reflective even from a very young age so I would constantly be going, you know, I feel like this because of this and I need to do this. And I identify that that's probably because of this and I need to do this. And all the time, all the time, even in my really early relationship with my husband, when we were like first dating, I remember we had a massive argument one night and the whole way through the argument, I was guiding him. Even though I was annoyed, I was angry, I was frustrated, I I was so hurt, so upset. I remember saying things like, This is how I feel and this is what I need you to say now because this is the impact of what you're saying on me and on this relationship. And this is what's going on for you. This is why you're saying that, but this is what needs to happen for us to move forward. Otherwise we're gonna break up. And all the way through this big argument, there were these inserts of, if this happens now, it means I'm gonna walk away from you. Is that what you want me to do? Do you want me to walk away from you? Because at this point in time, that's my only option because you've said this, this and this and I'm feeling like this. And I know you're saying it because of this, but this is how I... All the way through. So I've always been really good at that. But when I had this situation with my littlest, my oldest, sorry, I couldn't get, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't get there. I knew something was wrong. I knew I was overreacting in a way, but I just didn't know why. And so what I decided was that it was the sleep factor. So... Me and my husband worked out a plan that, okay, sleep is a real issue, it's definitely a trigger, so maybe it's just that you need sleep, maybe that's the issue, that you need sleep. What I failed to realise at that point was triggers come from trauma and experiences, so it was more than sleep. at that point with all the other emotions going on I thought right okay must be sleep so we devised the plan so what happened was I would get up feed the baby put the baby down Dwayne would do uh, my husband would do all the feeding and prepping and sorting and all that sort of stuff and I would go back to sleep as quickly as possible and for a little while it worked now then I had my second baby, and obviously now I've got, they're, they're grown, so I've got, I think my oldest one is, she's nearly seven um, in a month, and my youngest is five, so there's 18 months apart, and this thing around sleep is still an issue, so they sleep great now, they don't wake up all through the night like a newborn would, however, when there's been a few nights where they've been poorly or a few nights where they've had bad, bad dreams or whatever it might be, I can't cope cannot cope with it and I don't know why and I'm intensely angry and intensely frustrated and I'm aware that I am and I can deal with that and we can put things in place to make sure that it doesn't affect the kids but I always feel this massive sense of shame and guilt that this overreaction is happening. Now I was teaching this in part of my course um, to a whole room of teachers and I remember stopping for a minute and going oh that's why that's the trigger and just had this aha moment and what I realized was it wasn't about the sleep so when I was younger and one of the things that was part of the emotional abusive type situation that we were in with my dad was that every night he would wake up he would be drunk he would wake up and he would set the alarm off you know like the house alarm so the alarm would go off and it would sound like there was a burglar in the house and Mum would wake up and she would run downstairs and she would turn the alarm off and then we would go back to bed. So we'd all wake up and then we'd go back to bed and then we'd do it again and again and again and again all through the night. So by the time the only way to stop it was Mum would have to sit at the bottom of the stairs so that he couldn't come down and keep doing it, so that we would get sleep. Now, as a child, I remember hearing Mum and seeing her, I remember watching her sitting at the bottom of the stairs crying, and I remember hearing the alarm go off and off and off and off and off. And That's my trigger. So what I realized was my brain was going, every time this baby cries, it's like this alarm, isn't it? It's like the alarm going off. It was nothing to do with the fact that she was waking up. It was nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't getting sleep. The trigger was the feeling of being overwhelmed, attacked and tortured. And I used to say, this is like torture. This is like torture when the baby wouldn't sleep. And that is because it was torture, nothing to do with her it was torture then, it was torture to go to sleep and be woken up and then go to sleep and be woken up and have no control, no outlet to be able to deal with it, no, I would get up and I would say my peace, but I was like eight years old, so part of it was having this helplessness and this complete feeling of torture, all of which I was feeling when I had my baby my first baby so actually it was nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't getting enough sleep it was the fact that I had all of these intense feelings come up and that's what triggers do now I had to work really hard to figure that out I mean by the time I figured that out she was about five so we dealt with what we could but my point really here is that triggers come in all shapes and sizes and sometimes we don't know we're going to have one until they rear their ugly head and it's not as simple as just knowing that a certain song makes you upset another scenario was this time when I went to the cinema So I went to cinema and watched The Star is Born, I don't know if you've seen it, and it's about Bradley Cooper, and he's like a singer and musician, and he struggles with alcohol. Now, there are some really direct correlations between the story and my life, and I knew that when I went to watch it. So Bradley Cooper plays this guy who's got long hair, my dad had long hair, who has a beard. And like a bit of a rugged look. My dad had a rugged look. Plays the guitar. My dad played the guitar. Struggles with alcoholism. My dad struggled with alcoholism. So there were some really direct correlations. But I knew that. And the majority of my day-to-day life, I'm like, do you know what? I've dealt with my stuff. I'm aware of my stuff. It's not an issue. So I went to see this film. The film's brilliant. It's fantastic. I won't give anything away if you've not seen it. But towards the end of the film, it gets sad. And certain things happen. And... I remember watching the movie in the cinema, but about eleven o'clock we had a really late showing. I was with two friends or three friends, and I remember crying. Now I cry at films all the time. I cry at Flipping Dumbo. I cry at everything. Um, and I was crying, and then suddenly I wasn't crying for the film. I wasn't crying for the story. I was crying for me. And then I was inconsolable. And then I was hyperventilating. And then I was having a panic attack. Now. I don't usually have panic attacks. I have them here and there every now and again, and it it is always because I've been triggered, but I've never had a panic attack in the middle of the cinema before. And I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was because I was feeling a bit more vulnerable around that time. Maybe I was feeling a bit fragile. I don't know, but I suddenly was having this full on panic attack about my own childhood in the middle of the cinema. I remember the whole cinema clearing and we were just still sat there with me sobbing inconsolably. I remember a security guard coming up and trying to coax me at like downstairs, he got me in the foyer and he was in my face going just breathe, just breathe and I was thinking mm, get away from me, like, you're making it worse and I was getting angry and I wanted to go into flight mode, I wanted to run out but I knew because I'm quite good at keeping my rational brain on, I knew I couldn't, and didn't want to be rude, I didn't want to upset him but I was, I did want to smack him and just tell him to leave me alone. And he just kept going, I'm a train counsellor, just breathe through it. And I was thinking, oh God. In fact, I think he got me out of it quite quick because I just wanted it to be over so it would go away. But that experience of having this full blown panic attack that came out of nowhere was all about a trigger. Obviously, something in the movie just touched a nerve that I couldn't quite shake and pulled me back. And it, it was a feeling that time, feeling of the same feeling I was getting through watching this character. So triggers come in all shapes and sizes and they surprise us and they rear their ugly head. Now this is so relevant for you in a teaching environment because there's no such thing as there was no trigger, there's always a trigger. Now it might not be that it's because the teacher has a beard or because um, somebody said whatever, it might not be a physical thing that you can attribute. Often it's a feeling and I think that's where we miss things. A feeling is such a powerful, powerful thing in our bodies and again as a society we kind of neglect them. Now I was feeling extremely overwhelmed and trapped and powerless when my daughter was crying in the night. It wasn't anything physical, it was a feeling, it was the feeling I remembered of having the same feeling in my childhood. And because the stress level was the same level of that when I was younger, that's why I was triggered. The same thing was true at the cinema. Watching that movie, this feeling was so intense, it reminded me of the feeling. And suddenly my levels of stress, my levels of worry, my levels of upset were the same. And that's why I had the big kind of panic attack meltdown. And that's the same with our children. So next time you see a child who... Um, is struggling with something they've kicked off they flew off the handle they've ran out they've they're intensely emotional banging their head against the wall or some kids will self-harm now in school some kids will you know poke pencils into themselves scratch really hard pick things if you can see that and identify that in the children I want you to start to think about the fact that they've probably been triggered now you might not know what the trigger is but it might be a good idea to just spot patterns So if you can't see a physical trigger, think about the feeling. What is this child feeling? Is it overwhelmed? Is it a feeling of being overwhelmed? Is it a feeling of being unloved, unvalued? Is it a feeling of not being heard? Maybe it's a feeling of not being good enough or incapable or um, shame. There's so many feelings. It might be an idea to write down as many feelings as you can and just see them as triggers because when we feel a certain way, it's going to elicit a response from us. And if the response is strong enough, that will mean a child is having a meltdown. And it could be as simple as you saying to that child, right, you're not having iPads now, and suddenly there's a huge meltdown. Or your teacher's different today, and suddenly there's a huge meltdown. There's something to do with the teacher, and it's something to do with the iPad. In fact, there's something to do with you or the scenario. So take yourself out of it. Don't take it personally. Don't think that it's something about the actual situation that you've got to fix, because it isn't. It's that child's process what is it about that child that is intense right now is it a trigger that's something physical and you'll know because it will keep happening or is it a feeling and think about if it's a feeling what is the feeling what could the feeling be in that scenario because the scenario itself will help you link to what the feeling is a new teacher might be a feeling of being unsafe unsecure not feeling trusted that's the feeling however um struggling with maths might be a feeling of not good enough, undervalued, shame for not being able to do it, you know, so you can kind of pick what the feeling might be from the scenario, so that's what I would try to do, because triggers will come up often through the day, for you, if you've been through your own trauma, and also for your children, and what sets us apart as a therapeutic teacher is being able to understand that, and being able to guide them through that, and as always, in all the podcasts, I'll say the same thing, tell them the strength that you have by telling a child this is why so you're feeling really overwhelmed, you feel really unsafe because the teacher's new today and when something's new and you don't know someone that's really hard for you, that is so important, it's vital information that's going to help to teach them about themselves, their own triggers and understand them so much more than just going right you're overwhelmed, you're crying, have five minutes, calm down, but Mrs. Jones will not be here today, so we're going to have Mrs. Whoever. Always connect with the feeling. What I would also do for you guys is the three steps. So again, similar to um, other podcasts, the first one, think about why they've been triggered. What could the trigger be? The second thing is explore the feelings behind that trigger and the third thing is have an empathetic response so say their name tell them their feeling and explain their behavior which is what i've just done so sarah you're feeling really overwhelmed you feel like you're not good enough you feel a bit attacked because you can't do this piece of work it's you're really struggling with it and everyone else looks like they can and it's making you feel like you're not good enough That's their name, their feeling and their behaviour. The behaviour might go a bit further. You might even say that's why you ripped your work up or that's why you don't want to do it or that's why you're swinging on your chair. But give them that insight. I wish somebody had explained triggers to me when I was younger. I wish I understood that that is why I am fiercely independent because that's one of my things. If somebody tries to take over and takes control, that's a trigger for me. Hell no, especially if it's a man. If it's a man who wants to come, and help me and help me through something or take over, I fiercely protect my independence and it's nothing to do with that particular man and it's nothing to do with men in general. I love men, I've got great relationships with men, it's that little piece of the puzzle which is about control because I know in my family my dad had all the control and he would take that away from my mum easily. She wasn't strong enough, she wasn't headstrong enough, she wasn't um, assertive enough, she wasn't powerful enough to resist that and protect us and I refused to allow that in, into my life. So one of my real triggers is I can do this and I can do it on my own, that's why I built a business, that's why I run the family finances, that's why I make sure I've got my own pot of money, that's why I will take all of the um, controlling decisions and it isn't because I don't trust my husband I do absolutely love him but it's because of my own triggers and I have to be aware of them and I wish somebody some point sat down and went like shahana these are some of your triggers and that's okay because it's made you who you are but just be aware of them because I constantly have to find a trigger and go right how do I unpick this what does this mean? So all of that around um, control, I have to actively allow my husband to take control. I have to push down those feelings of wanting to take over and go, no, it's fine if, if um this, this and this happens. And also allow that relationship to be a team and know that just because it was challenged for me and my mum, just because you know, dad had the struggles he had and took over and took the power away, it does not mean that he, my husband will. And has to constantly remind myself of that. So if we can teach our children to do that and have that skill set of reflection, understanding, and then also correcting, you know, noticing and correcting throughout their lives, they're going to have a better outcome, aren't they, for their future. They're going to have a better chance of doing well because their triggers are not going to hold them back and define them. The triggers are not going to be barriers. They're going to be something they've got to work through and hopefully we will make them a better Better person, and as always, your role as a teacher is to teach. This is a lesson that really needs teaching for so many of your kids. I would hazard a guess that at least twenty kids in your class have an issue with some sort of experience outside of school, some sort of emotional, um, emotional difficulty, and they're going to need these guidance. They're going to need this support. that's part of your job that's part of my job it's part of every adult's job when they're around children to guide and support and help them to understand so I hope this has helped give you a little bit of insight into triggers I hope you haven't minded hearing me go on and on about my own experiences um I hope it's helped thanks for so so much for listening and I'll see you in another podcast episode Bye for now. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. If you want more help and support to become a therapeutic teacher but don't know where to start, then head to tpctherapy.co.uk and enrol in my free course now and get started.